from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 20. Matthew 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree that bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for these words that reflect the truth that comes to us from you, Lord God. Truth concerning those who would find the narrow way, those who would seek the broad way. Help us, O Lord, even today to be more like Jesus. I pray you'd be with Pastor Andrew now as he brings this word to us. May we hear and listen. May we receive it with joy. May you change our hearts through the power of your spirit even today. We pray all this now in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, two more weeks in the Sermon on the Mount, and we start today what I think is uh, Jesus' conclusion to the, to the Sermon on the Mount, conclusions uh, homiletically or in preaching, um, do a couple of things. We, you, you wrap up, you, you sort of kind of move towards an end and... Uh, I know some of you try to anticipate within conclusion. One of the worst things for a preacher is when it feels like it's going to end and then it keeps going, you know, and there's like the the porch on the porch. One of my kids has mentioned to me that when I take my glasses off, I'm about to conclude. I don't know if that's true, uh, but you can, uh, you, can, um, you can look for that. Uh, so conclusions move us towards an end. Conclusions uh, oftentimes wrap back to the beginning, uh, and they provide sermonic unity. You know, so as we're thinking through, we begin to recap and recapitulate uh, these ideas that we have been developing all the way through, and I think that we're going to see that uh, with Jesus's conclusion here to his sermon. The other thing that, that conclusions most often do is they have a, an appeal, uh, a personal appeal whereby uh, the, the preacher is, is calling the congregation to say, listen, we've been diving into this, we've been studying this, now what are you going to do with it? 
How are you going to live your life in response to that which you have heard? We're, we're not, it, it's not just sort of an information dump uh, that we're coming to when we come into the Lord's house, but rather the intent is transformation. And there is always that question hanging in the air, like, what are you going to do? And you see that very clearly here with Jesus. And I'm going to actually take two weeks to look at this conclusion. Uh, And today, we are going to look at his call to consider, what road are you on? Uh, Are you on the road that is broad and easy and leads to destruction? You enter it by the broad gate, wide gate. Uh, There are many on that road, uh, and uh, as I said, it, it leads to destruction. Or have you entered by the narrow gate, or the old King James, the the straight gate? It's not that it's straight as opposed to crooked, but straight like narrow, like we have the Straits of Magellan, or we have a straight jacket. It's, it's confining. Uh, have you entered by that gate, the narrow road? Few are on it, but it leads to life. That is the, the choice that Jesus lays to all of these would-be disciples, uh, these would-be followers of Jesus, both those whom he has been following him and he's bid come and listen, as well as the crowds that have gathered as they have listened to his sermon. So let's dive into this, and I have uh, just two points for you this morning, and they seem somewhat contradictory. You know, the, the road or the choice that Jesus is putting before us is, is both narrow, not broad, uh, but there is another sense in which it is narrow, but broad. So let's dive into that. Narrow, not broad. Here, here is where when we read this, we start to get hives as true uh, postmodern Westerners because it sounds awful. I'm not quitting, by the way. Uh, the, uh, uh, it sounds awful exclusive. Uh, like, can you really mean, Jesus, that there are, are, are two choices Uh, One that is a narrow gate, narrow road, there are few on it, and it leads to life. And there's this other one which is more uh, easily accessible, it's more easily trod, there are many on it, Uh, but it leads to destruction because that's very different than this idea that we're all after the same thing. We're all after God. And whatever road you get on, uh, we're all going up the same mountain, whether you uh, are following Islam or whether you are following Hinduism or whether you are following a moral secularism or whatever road you might be on, we're all aiming for the same thing. That's our modern sensibilities today, and I'm sure many of you have heard even that same analogy, like we're all traveling up the same mountain, and whatever road you get on, uh, it's okay, you're all going to get to the same place. 
There's obviously problems with that theory. The first problem is it's not biblical. It's not what Jesus says. Jesus is giving us a very different picture. He's saying there are two choices. There's a right choice and a wrong choice, or if you will, there's a a choice that naturally leads to destruction, and there is a choice that leads to life. But even intellectually, the many roads, one destination doesn't really satisfy us, does it? Uh, because it, it, is, it, is, uh, it is based, it is premised on a claim that says this is the right answer. The right answer is that all faiths are the same. The right answer is that you can believe whatever you want, and if you contradict that answer, you're wrong. Uh, there's an inconsistency that is woven into that way of thinking. Uh, There are often times when we feel open-minded, when we feel accepting, uh, and we don't really reckon with the fact that we are actually basing that open-mindedness, we're actually basing that acceptance on a very stringent philosophy. Uh, we're, We're basing that on an actual confining belief. And I think many of you have experienced this. maybe you recognize this, uh, experience even the reality of it. If you go to university these days, if you go to college um, and you come in with the idea that that Jesus' words are the correct way to interpret life, uh, you are very forcefully told that you are wrong, uh, that, that those can't be the only way, like this exclusivity is not acceptable. But again, that, that rejection of Jesus' way uh, is actually premised on a very strong philosophical belief uh, in and of itself. So always the question comes back, you know, will we believe? You know, will we believe what Jesus says? You know, will we accept that His uh, way is the way, the truth, and the life? Uh, will we put ourselves in His bucket? Will we surrender to what He is calling us to do? That that is the question that Jesus puts before us, um, and, and this is the idea that the way that he lays before us is narrow, it's not broad. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a small gate, it is a straight gate. You have to enter through Jesus' teachings that point to his death, his resurrection as the only way to life. In connection with this, Jesus says there are many who will be false prophets, and they are going to be pointing you in, in many different directions. Now, when we talk about false prophets, we could talk about a whole host of things. We can talk about uh, you know, various things, secular, uh, everything from politics to money to success to um, sexuality, whatever you want to talk about, there are, are so many false prophets. I recently read an article that was talking about uh, our, our health eating and our diets. Uh, they even have this promise of life 
Here's how the writer puts it. By creating and following diets, humans not only eat to stay alive, but they fit themselves into a cultural edifice that is larger and more permanent than their bodies. This is transcendence, right? It's a sort of immortality ritual, and rituals must be performed socially. So clean eating rarely, if ever, occurs in secret. If you haven't evangelized about it, joined a movement around it, or been praised publicly for it, have you truly cleansed? Uh, you, you see how even something like pursuing uh, clean eating, which I, I would commend, I mean, that's a, it's a good thing in and of itself, but it takes on these religious overtones and, and there is a, a falseness to what it promises with regards to uh, eternal life. We certainly see this in the church. I mean, I think uh, recently uh, we've been racked by these controversies in, in the broader evangelical church. I know many of you uh, have listened to the rise and fall of Mars Hill Church. Uh, we've talked about it in different ways. This is Mars Hill in Seattle. And uh, just the way that there were... Uh, it's just such a mixture of things. There were many good things that were going on there, but then there was also, as it continued to move forward, just these fruits of spiritual abuse and uh, neglect. I mean, there were just all sorts of things that became unhealthy. We've recently been reading this about Hillsong. There's a, a documentary that just came out there. Ironically, we have a Hillsong song uh, in, our, uh, in our liturgy today, and, and that's okay. Because with all of these things, there, there's a mixture. There's good and there's bad. And this is one of the things that makes it really difficult for us to sometimes discern false prophets and good prophets. Because it's not that everything that they say is bad. But where does it end up? What is the direction that it is going? And that is what Jesus means when he says, ultimately, by the kind of fruit that this bears... You will know that. You know, I think of Willow Creek, relatively close to home here in, in Chicago. How many good things were done by, by Willow Creek and uh, Pastor Hybels over the years? Uh, probably countless numbers of good things. And yet, you know, there was a, a disease in the tree. And there, there was fruits that were born with that. And Jesus is warning us against that. He's saying, you have to be careful because when we're talking about the narrow and the broad, we're not only talking about things that are inside the church and outside the church, we're talking about things that occur inside the church. And, and, and we need to learn to discern these false prophets. And this is a, a theme that uh, that the apostles pick up. So whether it's Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2, John, 1 John 4, Jude. I know a number of you have just studied Jude where he focuses on, on the false prophets that are there beginning in verse 4 and, and the way that they are among the flock and they're offering a gospel that incorporates sensuality, uh, a rebellious attitude. All of these things, they're, they're part of the teaching and what Jesus is saying is that even within, you need to learn to discern. 
But I would say even one more thing, because there's part of us which we can say, okay, uh, you know, these, these big, big steeple sort of, uh, um, you know, commercial pastors, whether it be Mars Hill or Hillsong or whatever you want to put into that, um, that doesn't really happen, you know, in my local church. Uh, it doesn't really happen in other ways. Jesus here is talking about the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus is talking about a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And what the Pharisees were saying is that you can do it. You know, you, if you obey the 613 or 616 laws that are put down, you can affect this. You can go forward. You can make your own righteousness. You can make your own way. And we have to be really careful as a church that we don't slide into that, you know, by believing this particular set of doctrines, you're accepted, and, you know, if people don't believe this particular set of doctrines, they're a little bit more suspicious. By, you know, living this particular way with regards to your sexuality, you're okay, whereas if people... Uh, you know, astray, or, or th- then they're they're automatically bad. You know, by uh, by um, uh, worshiping in a certain form. See, we can easily slide into our own hedging around the law, and and we can begin to set up an edifice that is other than Jesus Christ. Uh, and Jesus is saying, you always have to be on your guard. Now, there are those among you that are truly false prophets, uh, and you have to learn to recognize them. But even, you know, just because of the nature of our hearts, the the slipperiness of our own hearts, and, and I put mine foremost among it, we can all have that tendency to slide. Uh, So Jesus says there is a narrow road, Uh, and as we're going to see in a moment, it's a narrow road that focuses on Jesus and his finished work and his finished work alone. But the second thing I want to point out to you is that uh, this narrow road is also a broad road in this sense. you know, the, the gates, and uh, John Striefkirk brought in a, uh, a portrait. It's all in Dutch, so those of you that can read Dutch uh, are a little bit advantaged. Uh, there's a narrow and a broad gate. It's sitting out on the Welcome Center if you want to take a look at it. But the, the narrow gate, you know, these straight gates, if you like the old King James, uh, were very narrow. And uh, only one person could go in and out of the gate at a time. Uh, the, the term actually has to do with like a stranglehold. It chokes out. Uh, the, the straight, narrow term has that to do. And, and the picture here is that this is a road that you have to travel, uh, that you, you have to make a decision. Uh, you know, when we baptize these children, we recognize that God is the one that makes uh, a promise to them, and their parents lean into that. They uh, agree to raise them in the church and, and, and be faithful in that, point them to Jesus. But we expect 
uh, children as they grow, and again, speaking to teens and preteens, that, that there is a time when you make that profession of faith, where you say, yes, this promise that uh, was made to me as a child, I now am living into that with the faith that you have given me. It's not just my parents' faith, it's, it's my own faith. So this narrow road calls for us to place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the narrow road also precludes any other baggage. Like it's not Jesus and anything. It's not Jesus and your moralism. It's not Jesus and your money. It's not Jesus and your relationships. It's not Jesus and anything. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And it's this reason that it is broad, because it sets us free from anything else that would encumber us on the journey. If you're trying to, to walk this road with Jesus and your vocation, like as being the thing that gives you meaning, the thing that gives you uh, what you uh, it gives you a status in life, that vocation is going to wear you down. It is going to weigh you down, and you are going to have a hard time traveling. If it is your parenting that gives you meaning, that gives you status, your parenting is going to weigh you down. And when your kids mess up, as they will inevitably do, as you did when you were a kid, as I did when I was a kid, you will be devastated because you are carrying that with you on the road. And Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate because at the narrow gate, it's just me and you. It, it, we are the only two people. That's not to say anything about community. I'm not, I'm not trying to paint that picture here right now. I'm just talking about here with regards to our salvation. It, it is me and me alone. It is my sacrifice. It is my, it is finished. Uh, that is the thing that gives you life. And this is why Jesus can, can say in, in a place like Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all who, are labor, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, we read these and we say, well, the narrow road, it, it's hard. Well, yeah, it's, it's hard because it, it's going upstream. It's different than our culture, but it's also very easy because we are yoked to Jesus and, and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I think all of you that, that truly know uh, what it means to be found in Jesus can speak to both the difficulty that the narrow road brings, but also uh, the relief that the narrow road brings. I am no longer you know, clinging to my success as a parent, as a businessman, as an academic scholar. I I'm not clinging to my morals and, and my ability to keep the law. I am clinging to Jesus and Jesus alone. Uh, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And as we've seen, you know, as we receive 
the declaration of forgiveness this morning, when, when we walk with Jesus, we find that we have chosen uh, a, a, a uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 16, he says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. He holds my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Not only is, are we set free of all that would encumber us on the journey, but we are given we are given this beautiful inheritance. The lines fall for us in, in pleasant places. Now, that's not always by the world's definition of pleasant places, but we recognize it through the eyes of Christ. That even when we're going through cancer, we can know the beauty of being in the Lord. We can know the beauty of resting in Him. We can know the intimacy uh, of having the Lord speak to us. And we can say with integrity, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. How can this be true? Well, it can be true because Jesus himself says, I am the door. I am the gate of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in, he will go out, and he will find pasture. He will find that rest, that beautiful place. Jesus says, I am the way. You know, I am the path. There's, there's two before you. There's the wide gate and there's the narrow gate. There's the broad path and there's the narrow path. Uh, many will go here, few will go here. This way leads to destruction, this way leads to life. But we have confidence here because Jesus says, I am the door and I am the gate. And when we come to the table and we take up the bread and we take up the cup, we are saying, yes, Lord, I have staked my lot in you. I am entering through that narrow gate by your grace. It's not because of anything that is in me. In fact, you know, Jesus is pointing us back to the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin, their own determination to do it their own way. Blessed are the meek who will get into the yoke with me and who will continue down the path. So like a good homiletician, Jesus says, which road are you on? Which gate have you entered in? You know, where, where are you going? Is it destruction or is it life? Are you looking around following the many in the crowds? Or are you content with the few who will uh, encourage you along the way who will build you up? At 11.15, we're going to baptize one of our college students, Xander Hartsuff. Uh, and he says in his testimony that he made before the elders, he said, I sought refuge in a whole host of things, his own version of the broad road, my own willpower, the help of friends, dating, many other things. But nothing could conquer the sin that was hiding deep in my heart. 
This led me to a season of deep reflection with the Lord. I was in despair. I was losing sight of hope. Why does the Lord put me through these cycles of of sin? But, he says, through the mysterious power of the Lord, the grace of the Holy Spirit, I realize the simple fact that only He can set me free. What a testimony. What a testimony. And our preacher comes to us and says, today, and he says, wide is the gate, uh, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate, uh, and confining is the path, but it's a path that leads to life. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for um, its power, uh, its truth. We thank you for what it points us to, even as we come to the table, that our only hope is in you, our door, our gate. Uh, Our only hope is in you, the way to truth and to life. Uh, Lord, I I pray for every person here as we have had a a morning full of sacraments and word and preaching, may it all powerfully coalesce to encouragement to those who are on the road and on the path, uh, to challenge uh, to those of us that are seeking in any other way other than Jesus. And may we find ourselves uh, clinging to you in the yoke with you, a yoke that is easy, a burden that is light. Oh, Lord, we love you. We really do. And we thank you that you have loved us first. We pray it all in your name. Amen.